I think it has put the Netherlands more in the spotlight. A lot of the markets that weren't covered in the Netherlands by foreign investors are now. You have reshoring, nearshoring, friendshoring, whatever you want to call it, but there's a lot of industrial activities that are returning to the Netherlands. Hi there, and welcome to a new episode of the podcast No Stone Unturned from Savills. In this podcast, we will talk about the trends and developments in the Dutch real estate market, from hotels to offices and from retail to senior living. I am Charlotte Harmsen, and in this episode, I'm going to talk about industrial and logistics. My guest is Martine van Dursen, head of Benelux at Aero Capital Partners. Welcome, Martine. Thank you. Um, we always like to start this podcast with a positive vibe, um, but uh, on, on the topic of today, you might think that there are several challenges at the moment for uh, for logistics, especially in the development side. Um, of course, we are facing nitrogen issues, um, a lack of capacity on the power grid, uh, high construction costs, and all of this already in addition, of course, to the uh, economic uh, headwinds. Um, but where one sees challenges, the other sees opportunities. And that is what I would like to talk to you about, uh, Martine. So first of all, how do you experience these challenges in the current uh, industrial markets? Yeah, there are many, many challenges uh, uh, that you've listed uh, and, and actually more than that. Uh, but yeah, as always, that also provides opportunities. So if you would, example, look at existing assets, um, they actually become much more attractive in such an environment because they do not, they already have a power supply. Uh, they already have an allocation for nitrogen. Uh, they already have a zoning plan in place, which uh, in many times allows for a higher build ratio or the, uh, the potential to uh, build higher than uh, the existing buildings. Uh, so a lot of these older buildings and older plots, therefore, uh, have opportunity to be to now uh, unlock and uh, create uh, more modern, specific buildings. Yeah, so when you talk about a challenging market, maybe we're so used to in the last years, uh, all the transactions being about uh, new developments, XXL uh, distribution centers. So actually, there's a whole other side of the market, which is maybe even more interesting than before. Yeah, I think it, it, it has already been interesting, uh, but uh, it, it becomes more interesting in this current environment. So um, the, the the lack of development that uh, will will have a very positive impact on the existing stock, um, uh, not only in its current shape, but also in what you can do with it uh, in, in, in the next few years. So focus, maybe a shift from focus on, on greenfield to brownfields? Yeah, I think that trend has, has already started. Um, and that's something which I expect will continue. So you said that there's more of a focus towards existing buildings. And what actually are the opportunities there? Yeah, so when I look at our own portfolio, which is probably the easiest to, to, to talk about for me uh, and to demonstrate. So, for example, we have a building, um, uh, an existing building on a, a relatively large plot, uh, only has a very low build ratio. It's 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 a... Uh, it doesn't qualify to modern specifics. It's relatively low. It has a mezzanine in there, which is low. There, there are some loading docks, but not enough. So this is the kind of building where if you actually make a plan for it uh, together with the tenant and look at the future, what they want to do, they also want to have a more modern building, more ESG compliant, etc. Uh, also much higher. So you can actually create a much larger building on the same plot 
uh, with higher uh, warehouse so they can you know, uh, uh, facilitate much more of their growth that they're experiencing. Um, and then you can actually have a, a very good investment case, uh, which is also attractive to the tenant. So there you're, you're able to improve the existing stock. And then you said uh, those are plots which have maybe uh, a relatively small building on a, on a larger plot. So is it also about, is it just redevelopment or retrofitting, but or also extending the existing building? Yeah, it, it, it varies. So this, this is a case where we're actually going to demolish and build something new. Uh, we also have other situations where we have a very fast growing tenant who want to expand. They actually want to build something new, but it's no longer possible in the area where they are. They're very tied to the location because of the, the personnel and staff live in the direct vicinity. Um, and uh, they want to facilitate their growth. Cannot do that elsewhere. So we're expanding on the existing side. So there we keep the existing building and we're developing out something new for them uh, in addition to the building. Uh, we also have another situation in our portfolio where... We have uh, uh, good warehouses, uh, but a very high office component to it. Um, and that office component, we're now actually making plans for, uh, because no one's really interested in it. Uh, we're making plans to actually demolish that and build warehouse back instead of that. Yeah. So it's 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 a mix of you know it's either so making more optimal use of the existing space. Exactly. Exactly. And um, when you're looking at, uh, so these are sort of redevelopments of your existing assets. When you're looking for new assets, what are important criteria or or factors that you look at? What makes it a a good investment for you? Yeah, so for us, we we do develop new and we do that uh, also with partners. So uh, we have a development in South the Netherlands, which is much more of an uh, international distribution location rather than a last mile location, which some of the assets I just described, uh, which are more city focused. Um, And there it's become very, very important to have very modern specs uh, and very high quality uh, ESG requirements. Mm -hmm. Um, And these are specifically, if you look at the banks, uh, very attractive to, to comply with those. Because you get Are much those just, more you said, rates. ESG criteria? Sorry to interrupt you, but is that mainly focused on certifications uh, or or is there also part of uh, S uh, social factors that you take into account? The majority is uh, environmental uh, and governance, I would say. Social is, it's, to be honest, is on a lower level. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also, in our view, a little bit more difficult to, to do that. Um, especially when the assets aren't aren't like you know, really large scale warehouses. Um, but uh, the, the, what I refer to is mainly the drive that you see from the financial investors. I mean, the debt providers mm-hmm. that basically going to provide you with much more attractive financing if you tick the boxes on the Bream qualifications, for example. Um, but they're, they're they're much more uh, requirements currently that uh, that are there. So. In this case, uh, it's also the tenants that themselves want to improve the building and have something which is really energy efficient. So um, there are already uh, plans for solar panels on the roof because we also need to do that for the bang uh, uh, requirements for building new uh, new buildings. Yeah, sorry for the international listeners. Bang is uh, building almost energy uh, neutral as a requirement for new developments in the Netherlands. Yeah, exactly. And th- th- this tenant wants to go way beyond that and they want to have their own solar panels on the roof to also supply their own, uh, have their own ele- electricity supply in the building. So... 
and then we work together with the tenant to to make that happen. So. Um, uh, yes, you see that it's not only the municipality who's, who's actually requiring items, it's it's the financing, uh, the debt financing that, that has requirements, but also the tenants themselves. And we, as, as, as an investor, also have our own uh, requirements that we, we set for those buildings. You see, actually, there's there's a lot of elements that, that create quite modern, modern buildings. And... Um uh, how do you add value to properties that you acquire? Yeah, well, it depends a bit. In this case, where when I refer to the development, we were actually getting involved in that. And there was a speculative development, mm-hmm. which we've been able to lease up together with the partner. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's a clear added value. Uh, and obviously developing has, has a value. Um, <clears throat> what we also see in our portfolio is we, we buy a lot of the older buildings and older stocks. Uh, you see that there's uh, quite a few buildings there that a lot of uh, things don't match, uh, at least not to an institutional level. So, for example, uh, fire safety is a very hot topic. And this is something that we are very, very focused on and make sure that we get that to uh, the levels that we require. So, And that's also because we acquire quite a few properties from private investors or from... um, Owner-occupiers uh, that uh, have a different view on that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's a, an important part uh, to make sure that all matches. And um, most of the times what we do is when we look at value-added investments, there's, there's a lot of uh, CapEx investments that we identify that we do try to do in the next few years in order to improve the quality of the assets. Uh, which also then uh, commands higher rents uh, and most of the times also a different type of tenant. And uh, why? Uh, why would you sort of prefer having a strategy where you have to put a lot of effort in renovating uh, older stock when uh, yeah, the Netherlands uh, in the last years had a lot of opportunity to invest in modern buildings with a stable rental income? Yeah, no, I think it, it, it's basically driven by the, the capital that we work with and the kind of return that, that we are looking for. I think uh, a lot of the investors that uh, have been buying into the new developments, um, especially the least ones, uh, tend to have a, a much lower uh, return of capital uh, required. So I think it's just a different a different strategy. strategy. Yeah. yeah. And so um, looking at more of a value-add uh, strategy for your funds, do you also focus on different locations than maybe the institutional investors might? Yeah, I've, uh, you know, it has become... I think the market has become so hot that a lot of locations that I think typically weren't considered at all have actually also been uh, touched upon institutional investors. Um, actually, some locations I'm still surprised about, but uh, that definitely has happened. And I think there's evidence of um, the, the lack of, of future supply that is expected. Um, so we, we we tend to look at locations which are... Well, let's when we talk about Randstad, eh, Randstad in our view doesn't mean that it's just it has to be in Amsterdam. So, like New Venom, for example, to us is also Randstad. Yeah, is that a, is that one of the bigger cities? No, but can you surface the bigger cities from that from that city? Yes, you can. So uh, that whole area is, is 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 interesting to us. So basically, we've invested in uh, almost every province except uh, you know, in the northeast. And in Zeeland, where we we can invest, but we just haven't found a reason yet to do so. So maybe if I look uh, five, six years ago, 
the institutional uh, investors, core investors might focus on the logistics hotspots, right? And also for international uh, distribution. So uh, maybe Rosendaal or uh, Rotterdam. Um, and uh, you were maybe focused more on the uh, more regional uh, distribution hotspots? Yeah, I think, well, d- and I think it's, um, it's a little bit different in terms of... Initially, we started with the Randstad area. Yeah. And then some of the... You know, smaller assets. You know, really located and in what we classify as last mile locations. Yeah. Um, and we've been spreading out much more, following where the the population lives. So you come into Brabant and that kind of areas. Yeah. Um, and we've also been adding more international logistics locations. So, at typically areas like Venlo, for example. I would like to take a short break of our uh, interview and go to a question from my colleague Nick. Nick Poppelaars, co-head Savills Logistics and Industrial. Hi Martin. We see rents increasing rapidly. Do you believe there is a limit to this rental growth? And if so, at what kind of rental level do you expect this limit to be to keep a warehouse affordable for a tenant? Yeah, thanks Nick. A good question. It Yeah, it really depends I think, but we, we've we've seen rental growth, uh, which we didn't expect to be at the levels um, in the last year. So um, you get to levels for warehouse space. And then, for example, if I look at the asset that we have in Amsterdam, where we're talking about units of, you know, let's say, 3,000 square meters with some office component in there, which is relatively small, you actually are getting to rental levels of 100 euros per square meter which I think a few years were probably underwritten at 80. Um, that is a, uh, a, a rental rate that we think will still grow. Uh, and we think it will um, uh, outpace inflation. Um, to what level that will get, I'm not sure. Uh, but I do feel that in other of the markets, uh, other markets in the Netherlands, rental levels are able to grow to those levels. So let's say... If you have similar units in, in Rotterdam or Eindhoven, they we see them trending toward that same rental level. Um, if yeah, if you're looking really at the large box, uh, large scale uh, warehousing um, and distribution, I think those rental levels will be lower because people are not so much looking at it at the unit price, but are much more looking at the at the rate uh, they're paying for. Uh, the square meter um, and obviously that logistics business is very very um, how do you say that the profit margins are very low so they need to be much more focused uh, rather than the tenants that you have more on the on the last mile locations I would say yeah different type of tenant maybe different type of uh, uh, the rent is a different part of their um, yeah. business cost yeah exactly and if you look at it from an international perspective, because Aero uh, is, is uh, active in other countries as well, is the uh, uh, logistics rental price in the Netherlands relatively uh, low? Well, uh, compared to London, it is. Um, but yeah, I think uh, most people know that everything in London tends to be quite expensive. Um, but r- rates in the UK are substantially higher than they are uh, across continental Europe. Um, I think if you would compare the Netherlands to the rest of continental Europe, I think we're more or less at the same level, like Germany, for example, yeah, we, and Belgium. We catched up uh, the last years, right? We did. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And and I think well, if you look at the international comparison, which I find myself the most interesting to see, is that you always used to have Germany 
moving and then six to nine months ne- the Netherlands would do the same in terms of uh, yields uh, etc uh, and that seems to have decoupled now um, the Netherlands has, 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 uh, it's a market of its own it's become more, much more of a market of its own So is that also due to Brexit you think? I think it it, it has something to do with it uh, I wouldn't say it's the main cause but I think it has put the Netherlands more in the spotlight um, and you see yeah, and I think we touched upon it earlier is that a lot of the markets that weren't covered in the Netherlands by uh, foreign investors are now. And this actually doesn't just limit itself to uh, industrial logistics. You also see that for offices and various other sectors. So Eindhoven, I don't think there were ever, you know, maybe maybe more than two foreign investors in there. And then they were always German. So uh, now that has become much, much more, uh, much more foreign driven. So uh, I think that's, that's, that's definitely become... Uh, uh, very, very different than uh, than five to ten years ago. Yeah, and and to answer Nick's question, you don't think there's the end of rental growth uh, yet? No, and 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 no, I don't think there is at this point in time. No, and that's mainly uh, and maybe the Netherlands is different there than than the rest of the market. Um, there is there, there is a large scarcity of land. Um, yeah, a great example I think is is. The whole business estate in Sloterdijk, which I think most of you know here in Amsterdam, you know, a lot of that is is going to be residential. It's being transformed as we speak. Uh, none of those companies can find that same space in the Amsterdam area. It's just not there and it's not being created either. And then when we go back to well, where we started the conversation about all the um, restrictions yeah, that you have yeah. for development... Um, it's going to be very difficult to to be able to facilitate all of those companies. I'm getting to the, the end of my questions, but um, I want to do a bit of uh, looking ahead. So what do you think the industrial market in the Netherlands will look like uh, in the years to come? Yeah, I think uh, demand will keep uh, outpacing uh, what can be offered. Um, I already mentioned Sloterdijk and all the restraints that are there for development. There's a scarcity of land. Um, E-commerce is still growing, maybe growing at a lower pace than it was, but it's definitely still growing. We've seen other markets in the world where the online sales uh, are still at a much higher level than they are in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And I think if you take that, you know, if you look at online sales and how densely populated the Netherlands is, we are are almost an ideal market for for, uh, e-commerce. At the same time, you have reshoring, nearshoring, friendshoring, whatever you want to call it. But there's a lot of industrial activities that are returning to the Netherlands. Um, maybe not the heavy industrial, but definitely the light industrial. So that I think that will have a very positive impact still on this sector. Um, so I think if you take so that... So do the that, opportunities outweigh the challenges then? I think they do. Yeah, I think they do. Yeah. And my final question, which I ask all of my guests, is what would your dream project look like? My dream project, it, it actually exists. Uh, and it's called uh, the Great Green Wall. Um, so that's the only real estate link there is because it doesn't have much to do with real estate. It's um, Some of you may know it. It's basically the southern part of the Sahara Desert in Africa. And they started about 10 to 15 years ago with planting trees in a... Uh, in a five-kilometer area and can basically connect the west to the east from Africa in order to prevent the further uh, 
desertification of the of, of that area. And they're now about 10%, so they still have a long way to go. So that still leaves some time for me to find how I can contribute to that. But I think that's that's such a magnificent project, uh, which a lot of people will have benefit from. Um, and I hope they will succeed. So your dream project is not an industrial one, but a biodiversity project. Well, I'm sure our ESG advisor, Iris, uh, will be very glad to hear that. Thank you, Martine van Dersen, head of Benelux at Aero Capital Partners. Although it might be a challenging market for the, re- uh, for the new developments of uh, distribution centers in the Netherlands, uh, which have been dominating the transaction volumes in recent years, there are still plenty of opportunities, for instance, for value-add investment. Renovating and redeveloping older properties comes with another big benefit, and that is a more sustainable industrial stock. This was No Stone Unturned from Savills. Please subscribe to this podcast when you don't want to miss a thing and give us a rating in your favorite podcast app.